welcome on behalf of Salem United Methodist Church and the Connection United Methodist Church. For those whom I've not met yet, I'm Reverend Savage. And you may be thinking, wait a minute, is that the guy from that Emo's commercial? Yes, and this is the jacket. It was my own. Carol Mantia, my mother-in-law, purchased this for me back in 2017. I also want to say Merry Christmas to each and every one of you. Yes. One year ago from today, a gathering like this, out of the question. That makes tonight very special, folks. Look around you at all the Advent decorations, the beautiful voices. The glory of the Lord is upon us. And this points to the best part, and that's Christ's birth. So often the scriptures remind us of the angels rejoicing and people in heaven singing. And I can't help but sit here thinking about the old Pentecostal church that I came from. There was a song we used to sing. And they'd say, I got joy unspeakable and full of glory. Doom, 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 doom. Full of glory, full of glory. I've got joy unspeakable and full of glory since Jesus came into my heart. This morning, I've got joy. And that's right. Go ahead and you can give God the praise and the glory. That's right. That's what joy will do for us this morning, this, this evening. That's what it'll do for us. I stand here as a living witness that the glory, this joy, this peace, this hope, this love is all the result of God and his goodness, his promises. And we are humbled this evening that, that it's something that we've always longed for, that God delivered. As we tarry through a pandemic, we remember that an evening like this brings about such words like, great is thy faithfulness, O oh God, my Father. God has shown up for his people today, and this is truly an example. This reminds us. I'm also reminded that it's not always easy to approach glory like this. No, it's not. We find in scripture that it often takes a journey. And you may even agree with me on an evening like this that our journeys have led us to being here, experiencing the pandemic differently, away from our families or with our jobs, working remotely, Zooms and, and FaceTimes and you name it, and we were doing it online. Journeys. When my family takes a journey, when we prepare, that's Libby and I and our wonderful children, boy, do we prepare. We love to travel with our children. We, when we married, we decided this was something that we wanted to hold dear to the culture of our family. We wanted to travel. And I'm reminded of a particular period of my life where we traveled to South Carolina. We did what we always do. Weeks prior, we pulled up some of our favorite music podcasts. Right now, that would have been something like Maverick City Music. 
We ordered all of the attachments and accessories that you might clamp onto your, your van's headrests to make that kind of drive from St. Louis to South Carolina. We were prepared. We had spent a lot of time showing the children pictures from our previous journeys, and we shared with them that experience was the most important part to us. On Sunday, March 17, 2019, we had ended a service over there in the multi-purpose room, and we were off. Our family traveling, we were dressed nice. It's picture perfect at this point. And I mean, some of you have picked up on this already, right? March 17th, what is that? Where are my Irish folk in here? St. Paddy's Day, that's right. Now, now that fact would have not impacted us, except we need to stop our home and we live in Dogtown. <laughs> this is the mecca of all St. Paddy's Day festivities here in the middle of the United States. We made it to our home, but getting out was far from the glory of the Lord we just talked about. Can I get an amen? This was Libby being pregnant with our son Cole. People walking around our car inebriated. We're going about one mile per hour. Cars parked on both sides of the streets on just a one-way street. After an hour of this one-block debacle, we finally made it to the highway. And I was so happy to be going any faster than one mile per hour. And then I finally heard it. Pull over. I'm going to be You guessed it. And no, I hadn't pulled over yet. Windows weren't down, doors weren't open. Not only that, one of our children, also we learn, you learn a lot of things about your young children, had natural reactions and reflexes by watching mom be sick. So we had only made it from, from home about, about 10 miles away. And we were seriously regretting all this travel business. It sounded better talking about it. It felt better planning it. But doing it, no way that I wanted to really continue to make this part of my family or culture. And, and, and then the music that we had listened to was on in the van. Have you ever been given a nudge? The music, I mean, this Maverick City music, it's the, the most positive thing talking about the glory of the Lord, despite all the smells. And we cleaned. And then a podcast came on. My goodness, talking about the goodness of God. And as Libby and I cleaned up, and we hydrated her, hydrated our son. We decided that, you know what? The truth of the matter is none of our traveling was ever perfect. But here's what is true, that, that instead it's the goodness of God that offers us a history and recognition of the best parts of our journey, allowing us to remember our faith and help us journey on. And I'm done telling this story because the truth is it just gets worse before it ever gets better. As I was recalling this story with Libby, Libby I, I wanted to be as, as Specific as I could, I want to get the details right, as I would be saying it in front of her at some point 
this evening. And so she had reminded me, oh yeah, babe, when we got there, it was even worse. When we checked in the hotel, when we, every time we sit down to eat dinner, it seemed like it, it, it never really panned out. And, and the truth is, it never really got better. This journey, though, has not ended. Like I said, God helps us remember the best parts. And since that experience, we have remembered, we have journeyed on. And as a visual testimony, something that we have around our household is this map. It shows us all the places since then that we have gone to. And it tells the truth of the matter that God has not failed to shed light on the best parts of our journey. Now today, we're going to get into scripture. And our reading is going to come from the perspective and the scene of the shepherds. And I wonder what I would have heard had I been there that night. Would I have heard the choirs of angels singing or the sound of barnyard animals shifting around? Would I have seen the star in the sky or simply two poor and very frightened kids? Would I have understood the hush, the silence, divine presence, or simply the chill of cold east wind? Would I have understood the message of Emmanuel, God with us, or would the cosmic implications of that evening pass by? Would I have trusted the words from the shepherds? And what about it would I have remembered? Would you pray with me? Lord, help me step out of the way and allow Jesus to do only what he can. May your glory be shown throughout me in this moment. And may your spirit cover me. May you reveal yourself to us through your holy word. And Jesus mighty name we pray. Amen. Before we get to the scriptures, I, I just want to set a little backdrop here. The scripture reminds us of our fathers of faith who were shepherds. And these are some of the names, to just name a few that you might remember. Abel and Abraham, Jacob, Moses, Amos. These fathers of faith ranged from shepherds of flocks to shepherds of God's people leading up to the events of being visited by the angels, there were shepherds like Amos who God called to give the word to his people. And we learn from the scriptures that Amos expresses a collection of poems and sermons that Israel had not remembered whose they were. The case against them, they had not fully honored God over the earthly kings and materials. The evidence, well, it was in how they treated people. Justice was not being served. The words of the shepherd and the prophet Amos, he said, the Lord roars from Zion and thunders from Jerusalem. The pastures of the shepherds dry up and the top of Carmel withers. Aside from, from preaching like this, there was much more respect for a position like a shepherd in the time of Abel and Moses or Abraham than Amos, who we just heard from. And by the time a prophet like this was called by God, shepherds were on the outskirts of cities and not looked to as major contributors to society, especially a high society where kings with earthly power and wealth reigned. Not to mention there were bad shepherds too, okay? As a result, prophetic voices like Amos's were not popular. Here we see the conundrum. 
God has chosen a long list of shepherds to send a word, and Israel was not having it. And that night Christ was born, the angel appears to a shepherd. And of course, we are going to experience this scripture, and hindsight is 2020. And so we'll read in, in Luke chapter 2, verse 8. Nearby shepherds were living in the fields, guarding their sheep at night. The Lord's angels stood before them. The Lord's glory shone around them, and they were terrified. Perhaps alongside women like Elizabeth and Mary, these shepherds were among groups of unlikely people who longed for God's glory and remembered God's promises. It's very possible and most likely that God reminded them to recall where they came from, allowing them to keep their faith and journey on. Remembering, great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. The shepherd would eventually go and testify to the glory of the Lord. See, God delights in our testimony. And we know from Luke chapter 1 that Elizabeth's testimony encouraged Mary and caused them to sing songs of praise. We know that the birth of John gave a testimony for Zechariah to the other priest and caused him to sing too. And the glory of the Lord in their praise and honor to God in their song, they remembered the best parts of their story. Zechariah saying, praise to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant the oath he swore to our father, Abraham. When the host of the angels appeared to the shepherds, this commemoration continues. They could have said literally anything, but the goodness of God offered those shepherds a memory of their history and recognition of the best parts of their people's journey, allowing them to keep their faith and journey on. The angel continues to say, don't be afraid. Look, I bring good news to you, wonderful, joyous news for all people. Your Savior is born today in David's city. He is Christ the Lord, and this is a sign for you. You will find a newborn baby wrapped snugly and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great assembly of the heavenly forces was with the angel praising God. They said, glory to God in the heavens and on earth Peace among those whom he favors. Their forefather David was also a shepherd, and by this time they would have been no stranger to the mighty word of the prophets and shepherds like Amos. The Lord gave them a way to remember by sending the angels, allowing them to journey on in, the, in their faith and share the good news. Founder of the Methodist faith, John Wesley, understood this encounter of the angels with the shepherd in a very concise manner. The shepherds have been where at the same time will be the voice for Israel and have a message for all of mankind. He said it like this, for you means shepherds, Israel, mankind. 
And now we have a full sketch of what it means to the shepherds that Jesus is being born. The shepherds who were long part of Israel's lineage were on the outskirts of town. For hundreds of years, they had been reminded that God's people needed to remember God's promises. And for hundreds of years, the people of Israel disobeyed God. There had not been reconciliation from the truth of God as foretold by the prophets or shepherds, and this kept them on the margins. And to make matters worse, culture around them grew further and further away from seeing the value in the voice of a shepherd. This group of people had been given a message by the angel and were charged to bring the message to the people. And knowing they were on the fringe, knowing they were not popular in public opinion, what was their response? In verse 15, it says, when the angels returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go right now to Bethlehem and see what's happened. Let's confirm what the Lord has revealed to us. They went quickly and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. When they saw this, they reported what they had been told about this child. The word of God for the people of God. They went and reported the good news. Little did they know that God was already working through Mary, and their testimony would confirm all that they had heard. And this is just how much Jesus means to the world. And see, the final few verses in this passage are going to do what our Bishop Farr says, calling helping us land the plane tonight. In 18, it says, everyone who heard it was amazed at what the shepherds told them. Mary committed these things to memory and considered them carefully. The shepherds returned home, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. Everything happened just as they had been told. Mary committed these things to memory and considered them. She remembered and now that I read that, it causes me to say glory and hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. All of this for such a season like this. When I look back over my life, personally, I can truly say that I've been blessed. I remember that my mother prayed for me. My father prayed for me. My sisters prayed for me. My brothers prayed for me. My grandparents and their parents and their parents' parents prayed for me. I remember that Jesus prayed for me when he said, Father, I pray that they may be one as I am with you and you are one with me in John 17 and 21. And he didn't just pray for me when he said that. He was praying for all of us. And in, in amidst that, he, he came to do it and heal the sick and comfort the broken, embrace the outcast, recognize the marginalized, defeat death, to show us how to love, give us peace, to give us hope, to give us joy, give us light, show us life, reveal all of God's graces, and bring about the glory of the Lord. Amen? And what is my response when I remember? Today it's to call on the glory of the Lord. Lord, in every element, in every circumstance here on this evening, on this very special evening, Lord, help us remember that this Christian walk is not easy, and it was not meant to accommodate each and every one of our 
personal preferences. And like I shared with you about my journey to South Carolina, we don't really control the details in our journeys. But instead, we journey together, remembering the goodness of God. We share testimonies. We remember that the goodness of God offers us a memory and recognition of the best parts of our journey. And that allows us to keep our faith and journey on. In John 10.10, Jesus says, I came so that everyone would have life and have it in its fullest. And on this day, I pray we remember that this story of the Christ is the best part of Christmas. And as, as we close, I would like you to all pray with me. And I, I can lead with the words from the end of Jude, and, and you can respond. Okay. Now unto him that is able. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. To keep you from and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. And let the church say, Amen. Amen.